And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Hey there, Wonderlings. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. How's everyone doing this Friday morning? I'm doing all right. I'm ready for the weekend. I've been really occupied with watching This Is Us. I'm watching, I'm early on in season two, and I just can't get enough of it. It is so good. And I'm hoping to, um, during the Black Friday sale, I was able to pick up seasons one and two from Target for like 10 bucks a piece because I want to introduce my mother-in-law to it. I know Jeremy, well, he really doesn't, like if I'm watching it when I'm like in the living room and he's on his laptop, he'll like look up every once in a while and like comment, but that's about as much input as he has. Um, but... I think I started watching it, like, earlier this year, like, back in, during the wintertime, during, like, February or March, and I kind of just, like, oh, I like the show, and then it just, I got to doing other things, and I kind of didn't lose interest, but I kind of forgot about it, but then I'm like, okay, I gotta, because I'd been also been watching Family Ties, which I still, I'm on season five of that, so I'm like, all right, I'm taking a break from Family Ties. I'm getting it back into This Is Us. And I just, I love it so much. I have Hulu, so I can actually keep up with the current season, which is currently airing, so that's really awesome. Um, I also have uh, a podcast that I listen to for This Is Us that is run by a husband and wife that is really, really good, which... um. Later on, if you if you want to know what that is, I can look it up for you on my iPod. So, But we're not talking about This Is Us anymore. We're talking about The Wonder Years. Season 6, episode 17, entitled Eclipse. This episode aired on March 3rd, 1993. Kevin and his classmates take a bus trip to the planetarium to witness the solar eclipse. On the trip, Kevin and Winnie have a fight after he calls her too perfect, while Chuck gets locked in a restroom, leaving him, they leave him behind, which, good for him, good for them, leave him behind, he's not important, I don't like him, um, you know, I've been kind of thinking about this whole thing with Kevin and Winnie's fight, which leads to him calling her too perfect, and we think about Winnie for a minute, because I've really been kind of thinking about this. Kevin has built her up in his mind to where she can literally do no wrong. In his mind, she is perfect. We really don't see too many of her flaws. The only real emotion we seem to get out of her was from... The accident episode from season four, when she is, if you want to call it, maybe going off the rails, she's spending time, she's in junior high, spending time with high schooler boys, going off on car rides, getting into an accident, breaking her leg. And it's just, uh, I gotta say, I love Winnie Cooper, don't get me wrong, I really, really do, but as a character, she... Frankly, she does not have a lot of depth because we're just viewing her from 
Kevin's memories of her and how he's built her up to be this. He basically puts this girl on a pedestal. And we don't know really a whole lot about her other than she's sweet, she smells nice, boys like her, she has a brother that passed away in Vietnam, uh, her parents almost got a divorce but they got back together. Outside of that, those are just things about Winnie's family and and her herself. We know she's sweet. She, honestly, I don't think she really has much of a sense of humor, which that's maybe not everyone does. It's That's not a fault, but I don't know. I'm really, another thing I was kind of wondering about, like, Kevin, you know, when he would hit on these girls when he was with Winnie or something, you know, um, like that fight at the end, like burgers, broken hearts and burgers from the season five finale, just this girl coming up to Kevin and everything. It's like, you never see Winnie, she does not start fights with other girls. She doesn't really seem to stand up like Madison, even though she never said it to Winnie's face when she said, oh, I never knew what the big deal about Winnie Cooper was. It's like, bitch, you're new. Of course you don't know how big a deal Winnie Cooper is. I mean, they call her the Coopster. They call her Super Cooper. She's got nicknames. All right, she is popular. She is the end-all, be-all it girl of RFK Junior High, McKinley High School, all of that. But the thing is, yeah, Winnie never overheard Madison saying, I never understood what's so great about Winnie Cooper. What do you think? If Winnie had heard that, do you think she would have stood up for herself and said, hey, excuse me? Or would she have just walked away? You don't really see. The only interaction you ever see between Madison and Winnie Cooper is when Kevin and Winnie are at the movies for their anniversary and Kevin lost his ID bracelet. He had to get a fake one that misspelled his name. And Madison was kind of holding Kevin's bracelet hostage, saying, oh, come over back over to my house to get it. But she gives that back, like, oh, you dropped this. And she says something to Winnie, like, oh, he's such a nice, you have a really great guy there. And Winnie says something like, oh, yeah, I know, I know. And it's just, yeah, you don't, other than, the only people she seems to really interact with is Kevin, Paul, uh, Kirk McRae back from season two, maybe season one, um, Roger. We don't really see her interact outside of, like, if Kevin's not there, Winnie's not going to be there. So, because, like I said, this is all from Kevin's point of view. So, that being said, let's go back on to IMDb. Let's see what this episode was rated. I'm, I'm sorry if you guys consider that a rant. It's just, there's three episodes left of this podcast, and I just kind of want to get my uh, my feelings out, especially when I've been mulling over them for, like, a week or so. And I just, I get these thoughts, and it's like, I want to say this. I want to express how I feel. And see if, you know, maybe if you guys agree or if you don't agree or what your thoughts are on it. 
This episode actually has a high rating. It does have an 8.0 out of 10 based on 130 ratings. This episode was directed by Stephen Craig, C-R-A-G, maybe it's Craig, C-R-A-G-G. Writers Neil Marlins and Carol, Carol Black, that are the creators. We got Craig Hoffman, written by him. Doesn't that sound almost like Craig, what the, his last name started with it, Craig, um, wasn't it Craig Hopkins? I think, hey, maybe uh, the character was named after this Craig Hoffman guy, I don't know. We got some connections in this episode, White Heat, Lewis says, top of the world, ma. Oh, no, never seen that movie. Oh, Cagney's in it. Uh, Lone Ranger, adult Kevin says, hi-ho, Silver. Leave it to Beaver. Winnie compares Kevin to Beaver Cleaver. In what way? Like he's mischievous? Mary Tyler Moore. Kevin compares Winnie to Mary Tyler Moore on TV and says, she says, I'd better go see how Rhoda's is doing. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen Mary Tyler Moore, the show, but I have heard of it. We do have some trivia, and this is one of the things that I I watched my so-called life back in the day. Funny how the main character's name is Angela, but no, I mean, when that came out back in 94, 95, I would have been 12, 12 13. Um, two actresses who starred on my so-called life appear in, the, really? Two of them? They appear in this episode. Devin Odessa, who played... Sharon on My So-Called Life, and A.J. Langer, remember she played um, Ray Ann, uh, Angela's best friend? Langer's character in this episode is very similar to her character from My So-Called Life. Really? Okay. The stand-in for the planetarium exteriors and ex in interiors is the Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles. In the episode, the bus travels through miles of sparsely populated territory. The real observatory is barely half an hour drive from the Arnold House through Burbank and Glendale. Really? Wow. When Lewis yells, Top of the world, Ma, after the explosion, he is almost quoting James Cagney in White Heat. The actual classic quote is, Made it, Ma, top of the world. I have not seen that movie. This is one of the few episodes with scenes where Kevin is not present. Really? The scenes where Chuck hitches a ride and where Mary Jo and Harlan talk are without Kevin. Who are Mary Jo and Harlan? Are they just people we've never met before and are supposed to be somehow important? I don't know. Goofs. Oh boy. The M80 firecracker that is dropped in the toilet has about three grams of pyrotechnic flash powder. Not anyway enough to make the earthquake-like explosion heard outside the observatory. Factual errors. There has not been a total eclipse of the sun visible, like this total eclipse of the heart, <laughs> visible in the U.S. since 1945 and none of any type in 1973. The M80 firecracker. This is a repeat of what this goof is. Who's, who's running this IMDb page? Oh my goodness. All right, let's uh, go to the booklet. Oh, we also get a fun fact here. All right. Eclipse. On a school trip, Winnie is upset with Kevin for calling her perfect during a game of truth or dare. 
Featured song, Truckin' by the Grateful Dead. Fun fact, a long bus ride is a perfect setting for Kevin, Winnie, and their friends to play Truth or Dare. A favorite teen pastime with a rich history, scholars believe the ancient Greeks played the game, which has morphed into curious ways in the centuries since then. In 19th century England, the game was dubbed respectively Questions and Commands. And Brits love to play it at Christmas pa Christmas parties. Whoa, okay. Players who failed the an to answer their questions satisfactorily or to fulfill their dares had their faces smutted with dirt. Leaping across time and oceans, Madonna seized on Truth or Dare as a suggestive title for the 1991 documentary about her blonde ambition world tour. Outside the U.S., the film was called In Bed with Madonna. Okay. The game is popular today in Australia, where teens have added an intimate aspect to the game they call Truth, Dare, Double Dare, Kiss, Love, or Torture. Isn't there something called, like, Kiss or Kill? I don't know. But, interesting. I've never in my life played Truth or Dare. Never, never, never. I've never been to any parties that have had it, or, honestly, I've never been invited to a party. Um, but, alright, so, as I like to do with the new listeners, or regular, I like to say, well, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you could go to iTunes and leave a, leave a review, I'm not gonna say, leave a, I, I love a five-star review, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna Come on now. You guys, you leave a review, but you see fit. Um, also, if you're new to the podcast, if you want to jump on the bandwagon of the Wonder Years podcast Facebook page and just tell me how much you love the show, the Wonder Years, or how you like the podcast, and also the Wonder Years Instagram page, LBOM Wonder Years Podcast. Also, uh, Gmail if you guys want to write in to the podcast and talk about your favorite memories of the show. You can do so at LBOM Wonder Years Podcast at gmail.com. There are links on the SoundCloud page for the Facebook page and the Instagram page. Um, but other than that, that, that's pretty much it. Like I said, after this, there are three episodes left of this. Yes, there are three episodes left of this podcast. And this is, it's it's sad. It's getting down there. Like I said, I have other things in the works. Growing Pains is coming in January. Um, Mr. Belvedere is still going to be coming up from time to time. If I have time, American Dreams. Um, Small Wonder. Sometime in 2019, I will be doing Small Wonder. Whether it'll be uh, twice a month or once a month, it really, really depends. I still got to work out the kinks, you know, create a theme song, stuff like that. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. You know what? I got to do the quote. I do it every time, and I don't know why I forgot it. But I'm just looking at the cast list here. Who is this girl looks from... It's been so long since I've watched My So-Called Life. 
And this other girl, Devin Odessa. I don't know who she is. Ugh! This is the last... Thank the... This is the last episode that we gotta deal with Alice. I hate her ass. Peter Meyer. Thank you. Thank you. Why they drag this character out so much, I don't know. Timothy Stack plays Mr. Pen... Pen... Penitzer? Um, I remember him from season two of Punky Brewster, but that was in 1985, and this is 93, so. Um, we do have a repeat actor. He's not the same character, but he played on two different episodes. Trenton Teagan, he plays Harlan. He also played in the soccer episode. All right. Adult Kevin, narrator. On the afternoon of March 21st, 1973, at exactly 2.15 p.m., a rare astronomical event occurred, a total eclipse of the sun. As the sun, the moon, and the earth began to move in line, so did we, a field trip. It was a chance to bring education to the unwashed masses of the junior class. Like Harlan Abramson, McKinley's living monument to polyunsaturated fats. Are they making fun of this kid's weight? Or Mary Jo Gennaro. Senior year, she became the first girl at McKinley to take her parole officer to the prom. Louis Lanahan. When mankind discovered fire, they had not quite counted on Louis. And so, in a cloud of smoke and a mighty hi-ho silver, we were on the way to the ne the Nearman Planetarium. 34 students and one teacher on the road to higher education. Such as it was. All in all, it was the lead opportunity to exchange ideals outside the confines of the classroom, to, explain, to expand the boundaries of higher education, to go where no man has gone before. Um, so in this quote, we get some of the names of these people that Kevin are gonna be, is going to be interacting with and a little bit of a backstory on them. I'm So 34 students and one teacher. That would not, no, you would need at least two, or maybe a third. One teacher is not going to be able to corral 34 kids. High school kids, no way is he going to keep those kids in line. No way. Um, another thing that I was thinking about before this is, remember the other bus trip that Kevin and Winnie took that ended in Kevin's heartbreak of Winnie saying, I've met someone? Yeah, it's just, yeah, the last time they went on a bus trip, that happened. So it's like, oh, God. Bus trips with Kevin and Winnie uh, clearly do not go well. We've seen that. So, and it sounds like this one is going to be no different, but I don't think she breaks up with him here. You know how I've said how much I don't like the theme song? And the last image before the show begins is of Kevin with his graduating class. I never noticed the writing on um, some of these pictures. One says Kevin Hack over this one guy. Paul's not in this picture. Where is Winnie in that picture? I'm not seeing her either. 
They go to that school. Why aren't they in this picture? That could be... No, that's not her. But we also get other people's signatures as well. Some are covering people's faces. So. On the afternoon of March 21st, 1973, at exactly 2.15 p.m., a rare astronomical event occurred. A total eclipse of the sun. As the sun, the moon, and the earth began to move into line, so did we. Miss Corigliano, Mr. Gottlieb, Mr. Cashin, Miss Leckeroo, Miss Burke. So he called me, I think. Step lively, Miss Leckeroo. We need to be at the Nearman Planetarium by noon. Mr. Gabler. Mr. Lelick. It was a chance to bring education to the unwashed masses of the junior class. Mr. Abramson. Like Harlan Abramson, McKinley's living monument to polyunsaturated fats. Miss Gennaro. Or Mary Jo Gennaro. Senior year, she became the first girl at McKinley to take her parole officer to the prom. No smoking, Miss Gennaro. What was I thinking? Mr. Robinson. Louis Lanahan. When mankind discovered fire... They hadn't quite counted on Lewis. Mr. Donlin, Miss Lowell. All right, people, let's get moving. We have a full day ahead of us. And so, with a cloud of smoke and a mighty hi-ho silver, we were on our way to the Nearman Planetarium. 34 students and one teacher on the road to higher education. So, we got Harlan, who... Is a spectacle, you know, he wears glasses. He's he's not really heavy set. He really isn't. Um, but he, he I mean it's not a Twinkie, it almost looks like he's eating a piece of cornbread as he gets on the bus. Um the girl, Mary Jo, who played Rayanne on My So Called Life, she's got a cigarette that has not been lit. And, of course, the teacher is calling off the kids' names and says, hey, don't smoke that. And she's like, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> so she gets on the bus. Um, Lewis, the kid with the green army jack. God, you know who he reminds me of? Gary! Brick and Meyer from season two, episode one, Heart of Darkness. This kid's a... Lewis is a pyro. I'm like, what happened to... Gary probably got thrown in reform school, military school, one of them. Or we can just pretend that uh, Lewis, uh, Gary became Lewis, he changed his name. Because the key looks just like him, with the blonde shaggy hair, with the dead eyes, with the grimace face. Yeah. This is a transit bus. This is like... Oh, it makes me think of, like, that other bus that they were on when they went to, uh, the museum. It was, um, it was almost like one of those coach-type buses, but this one is not nearly as fancy. This transit bus has got a long seat way in the back where we got the... We got jocks on this bus, we got burnouts, we got hippies, we got them all. And these kids, let me tell you, are worse than middle schoolers or elementary school kids are like, throwing stuff and just like acting like crazy crazy kids this is why you need more than one teacher to watch these guys because they're nuts i mean that teacher in the bow tie because lewis comes up behind him with his because he's flicking his lighter 
And he lights the cigarette as the teacher is just like, you know, giving instructions to the kids. And then he sees that the, turns around, sees the uh, cigarette in his hand because he took it from Mary Jo. He sees it's lit. He's like, oh my God, like it's a bomb. <laughs> like what a nerd, what a, ugh. What if one of those boys gets in a fight? What are you going to do, guy? Are you going to try to break it up? No. You have no other force. You don't have a security guard on that bus. None of that. I'm going to play this clip. This guy... Oh, my God. He's he's trying to get the kids' attention. And they're all shouting over him. He's like, kids, uh, students, uh, I, I need your attention. Please, calm, calm down. Quiet down. Quiet down. They're not listening to you. You, you don't have a bullhorn that you could use? And you know that bus driver ain't gonna be any help. He's, he's driving the bus. He can't do anything. Everybody, I must have your complete attention. Please. Ladies, ladies, just... Students. People. Hey! Get shut up back there! Turn that damn radio off! Thank you. All in all, it was a unique opportunity to exchange ideas outside the confines of the classroom. Well, was I wrong or was I wrong? Hey, bus driver, I'm applauding you. She stepped up. He's like, hey, kids, shut the hell up back there. You turn that radio off. You listen to your teacher, you damn kids. <laughs> I said so. Like, all right, my, my job's done. I'm going back to driving this bus. They're all yours. Teach. <laughs> Like, I blocked you, bus driver. I just thought he wasn't going to do anything. This guy, this bus driver, he's got a full-on beard, looks like a hell's angel, looks like a, a big buff, like, motorcycle guy. Like, okay, good. You keep those kids in line. <laughs> um, Kevin is the one who initiates truth or dare. I'm saying it now. I didn't think so. You know it's just him, Winnie, and Chuck sitting there? There's no, um, there's no, um, why am I blanking on his name? Um, oh, crap, what is his name? Uh, Frizzy Hair, um, oh, shit. It's Jeff. Oh, I couldn't even remember Giovanni's name. But, yeah, he's not even there this episode. It's just Chuck. Winnie and Kevin, that's that's pretty much it of the crew. I mean, you don't see Ricky anywhere. Oh, God, that Alice bitch is there. Oh. Ugh. ...of the classroom. Truth or dare? Truth. To expand the boundaries of higher education. Who's the best kisser you've ever kissed? The best? That would be... You. To go where no man had gone before. Are you going to play for real or not? We are. Look, I asked her an honest question, and she gave me an honest answer. Right. I mean, no one's taking this seriously. Yeah, I mean, you can really learn a lot from this game. Maybe that's what they're afraid of. Right, Pooh Bear? <laughs> okay, truth or dare? Truth. Make it a hard one. Okay. If you had to change one thing about me, what would it be? Now, of course, moments like this had to be handled carefully. I wouldn't change a thing. <sighs> Come on, Kevin. There's got to be something about me you want to change. You can tell me. 
Nope, nothing. Forget it. This is a joke. Come on, Kevin, you can tell me. Well, I am. I mean, you're perfect. In fact, if I was absolutely forced to pick one thing, that would be it. What would? Well, I'd have to say, if anything, sometimes you're too perfect. <laughs> too perfect. So, Kevin asks a question to Winnie that's it's pretty much primarily just for them. He asks, who is the who is the guy that gave you the, the best kiss of your life, or something like that? Or, who, of all the guys you've who is the best kisser? Um, I seriously thought she's like, um, uh, Kirk McCray, uh, Chip, um, Roger, um, <laughs> No, she's like, you are, of course. Oh, good for him. Well, has Kevin kissed other guys? Oh, no, Madison kissed him. Um, Kara, he kissed Kara. Um, he touched her boob. You know, Winnie would never let him do that. Never, 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 never. But, of course, Chuck is like, come on, guys, this has got to be a real question. You can really learn a lot from people. Alice is sitting right next to Chuck, and she's like, oh my gosh, they're not taking it seriously. It's like, you can learn a lot about your significant other from this game. So, when he's like, okay, okay, if you could change one thing about me, what would it be? And Kevin, of course, is like, oh, you know, he's thinking to himself, like, oh, this could kind of lead me into a trap if I answer incorrectly. So he goes with... You know, the safe answer, he's like, nothing, absolutely nothing, you are, there's nothing I would change about you. And when he's like, come on, Kevin, seriously, I won't be mad, just, just tell me, just anything, anything at all. And Kevin's like, no, no, you're, you're perfect. Actually, I mean, if I had to say it, maybe you're too perfect. <laughs> Slam on the brakes, Kevin. Um... I guess I can see where Winnie's coming from. I mean, the fact that the point is you're too perfect as in he's not calling her stuck up. It's just like you don't seem to have any flaws. I can't really pick you apart and say, oh, I hate this about or I don't like this about you or I wish you wouldn't do this or maybe if you weren't so this. One of the questions, honestly, she was asking for something. I mean, think about it. You ask a question like, tell me what's wrong with me. Tell me one thing you don't like about me. What is... You're asking... You're asking to get... You're, you're getting going to get upset because whatever they say, even though you say, just tell me, I won't get angry. Whatever comes out of their mouth, you are going to be angry because they're picking apart your flaws. I mean, I mean, if Jeremy could probably list a, a number of things he wishes were different about me. Um, I'm not as impulsive as I used to be. I know that. Um, I wish that I just, um, I don't know. I can't pick apart myself. I mean, if I had to say one thing about Jeremy, he doesn't listen to this podcast, um... I'd say that I wish that he didn't get 
easily worked up by certain things. That's why I try not to set him off. I mean, he doesn't get, like, hugely angry, but he does kind of shut down for a bit. I don't know. And, and it's almost like I gotta work to be able to, like, uh, bring him back up. And it's just really, it's just like, eh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so... So, these girls over here, we got Rayanne, or Mary Jo, I'm just going to call her Rayanne because I'm not going to remember her name. We got the other girl that was blah, 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 gossiping or whatever. She's getting on the bus and the teacher told her to move her ass. Move your ass, girl. We got to get to this planetarium in like an hour. Um, and this other girl's like, oh, I told you, this blonde haired girl was like, oh, I told you we should have skipped. Probably. These girls are just bitches. They're like the mean girls. And they're looking, this girl's like looking at Harlan as he unwraps um one of those like chocolate like ding dong cakes. She's like, oh my god, he sounds disgusting. Just look at him. What? I didn't realize it was like a ding dong cake. At first I thought it was like a piece of meat that he was like salami like he was peeling off a piece of salami. I'm like, oh, he's peeling off the wrapper of a ding-dong cake. Okay, gotcha. These girls are just bitches. I am playing this clip. This is mean. That kid's done nothing to you, yet you just find something to do. You ridicule people. This field trip shows. I told you we should have cut today. Yuck. Look at that. That Harlan kid's disgusting. What is he doing that for? Maybe he's dieting. <laughs> no, it's so gross. Can you imagine kissing him? Not without barfing. I wouldn't do it for a million dollars. I wouldn't do it for anything. I'd do it for 30. There you have it. Where ordinary mortals saw nothing but a fat kid with a cupcake, Mary Jo Gennaro saw the challenge of a lifetime. 25. Yeah, and we're gonna need a hickey for proof. Yeah, a big hickey. You got it. Come on, Poopy. We'll show. So the girls are all saying how he's gross. Harlan is gross and disgusting and ill. He's sniffing the cream of his, you know, uh, chocolate cake thing, his snack cake. Um. And like, oh, I wouldn't kiss him for a million dollars. I wouldn't kiss him for anything. Rayanne, of course, is like, I'll do it. I'll do it for 30. And they're like, huh, really? Make it 25. And it's got to be real, like a hickey, a big hickey. Is she going to do it? I have not. The only thing I remember about, recall about this episode ever is Chuck locked in the stall. Like a fucking moron that he is. I guess, uh, Chuck and Alice are gonna, like, here, let's show them how it's done. The correct way to play truth or dare. I'm like, fuck you both. I hate you both. So I guess they, Chuck says, you know, the same question, the one thing I don't like about you, your voice, he tells her. And I, <laughs> yes, yes. I don't like her voice either. She's annoying. See, that's why I don't like her. Her whininess. So she freaks out, like, my voice, and I like my voice. And he's like, uh, your hair. She's like, what's wrong with my hair? And she's like, that's it. 
I'm going to ask a question and something about who's the most disgusting piece of shit I'd ever lay eyes on. Oh, it's you. And Chuck is like, uh, maybe we shouldn't play this game anymore. No, you sh seriously. You're playing a couple's version of Truth or Dare. Why'd you ask questions that aren't outright attacking your significant other? Like, here, let's ask questions about we don't what we don't like about each other. Or what one thing annoys the hell of, out of us about each other. It's like, don't, you're using that as a way to personally attack each other. Don't do that. Make it something simple and fun. So Alice gets pissed off and she goes and sits by the Gary lookalike. I think it's a Gary lookalike. She's like, move, damn it! Move your ass! I'm sitting next to you! <laughs> so the camera cuts back to Kevin. He's like, can you believe these two are getting upset over a stupid game? And Chuck is actually facing front, so I don't think he's even listening. But Winnie is like, no, no, I couldn't. As in, I'm not too happy with you right now, Kevin. Can you believe those two are getting upset about a stupid game? No, I can't imagine it. Okay. Oh, come on, Winnie. I mean, you can't be that mad. All I said was- I heard what you said. In fact, I heard you perfectly. All right. Clearly, it was time to put this fire out. Winnie. Well, I meant that as a good thing. I mean, you're a really nice person. Well, well I meant that as a good thing, too. You're like, uh, Mary Tyler Moore on TV. You know, turkey. Winnie, I mean, you gotta admit, you've always been kind of well-behaved. I mean, there are just certain things you wouldn't do. Like what? Hmm, skipping the obvious. Well, like that, for instance. this fire out as he says by over explaining why he said what he said as in oh the only thing I meant by it you know what I'm actually meant to say and she's like oh I heard you I heard you perfectly as she throws that back in his face and he's like well it's not a bad thing calling you perfect um, one thing, if you hear my phone chiming a bit, it's because I have my ringer on because I have my, uh, person delivering my groceries is just, like, let me know of something I want that isn't in stock and offering suggestions and stuff like that, so. So, he tells her that, you know, it's just you're a really nice person. You're kind of like, um, 
the girl and Mary Tyler Moore, you know, you're perky. And, and Wendy is just, she's taking offense to this. It's like, Kevin, you're not really helping yourself by trying to over-explain or try to reason with her why you, you know, called her too perfect. And he, he tells her, it's like, well, Winnie, it's just, like that guy there, the one he, the kid that throws a spitball at the teacher. It's like, you're, you're, you're not like that. There are just some things that you don't do. So, Winnie, Winnie takes that, and she's like, oh, oh, really? Um, here. And she's, like, going through her purse. She pulls out a piece of paper, rips off a little bit of it, takes, rolls it up, sticks it in her mouth, takes it out of her mouth, and throws it, hits the teacher in the side of the face. It's, All right, who threw that? And he goes up to Winnie, and Winnie does look a little, she looks a little nervous at first, until the teacher's like, Miss Cooper, um, did you see who threw that spitwad? And she's like, yes, sir, it, it was me, actually. And the teacher, of course, Winnie is too perfect, and now she's seeing this, is that the teacher tells her, oh, well, it's good that you want to protect your, your fellow classmate, but it's like, Kevin, in a way, what he said is like, okay, it is ringing true. Teachers kind of see when he is like, yeah, she is a perfect student. She does no wrong. She does not get into trouble. And I wonder if she's going to like up the ante a little bit like, oh, that didn't work. I got to show Kevin that uh, I'm not just a good girl. I can be a bad girl. I don't, I, 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 remember how I was just saying that Winnie did seem like she didn't have flaws or that she really, her persona is just kind of what we perceive of her through Kevin's eyes. This was kind of nice to see Winnie changing that just a teensy tiny bit by throwing that spitball, like, ooh, Winnie. Winnie's going to do something that he wouldn't normally do. This is kind of cool. And the whole time that Winnie's got that, that piece of paper in her mouth, that she's kind of working it around her mouth to get it, you know, wet and moist enough. It almost looks like she's chewing a piece of gum. And Kevin is just, like, looking at her, like, oh, um, you don't have to do that because I called you this and... He's like, like, oh my gosh, what's she going to do? Oh my gosh, she going to do it? Oh, no, 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 no. I love how when he, uh, the teacher asks her, Winnie, did you see who threw that spitball? And she looks at him. She's not scared. She flat out says, yes, sir, it was me. I did it. Like, give me your worst. Punish me. <laughs> Anything to tell my boyfriend here that I am not too perfect. She's proving a point. And Kevin's got to be like, all right, Winnie, you, you made your point, clearly. You you have. We, we don't have to do this anymore. And, of course, the teacher's screaming at the kids, no more this uh, tomfoolery on the bus and shenanigans. As these kids are all going, <laughs> you, know, you know, the fart sounds with the armpit and the putting the, the hands up to the mouth. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Oh, are they stopping somewhere for lunch? They must be stopping somewhere for lunch. Those kids are going to get hung. They probably, I don't even know. How far did it say that the place was? 
like an hour or so away, maybe a couple hours. Because they probably left like in the morning. I loved going on field trips. It was so fun. I could have sworn there was like a baseball game we went to when I was in like second or third grade. Because I had to have a permission slip signed. And I remember like when we were heading back, it was like so late at night it was dark out. Oh, they're not making a lunch stop. They're making a rest stop for the bus driver who suffers from a nervous colon. Okay, teacher, you didn't, they, the children did not need to know that, that man's personal business. Just say, we're making a pit stop at the rest stop. If you need to go to the bathroom, your opportunity is here. I really thought they were stopping somewhere. For, are they going to eat, like, the planetarium might have, like, like, a lunchroom or something like that, where the, the or a cafeteria that the kids can, you know, get some to eat. Because they're going to get hungry. They're teenage kids. Okay, people, we are making an emergency rest stop for Mr. Abramson, who suffers from a nervous colon. <laughs> but I must ask the rest of you to please remain in your seats so we can reach the planetarium on schedule. It was a thoroughly reasonable request. So, of course, we ignored him. Okay, um, I'm sorry. It wasn't the bus driver that has the nervous colon. Apparently, it's uh, Harlan, as he's standing at the front of the bus. Well, maybe he shouldn't have had that piece of cornbread and, and, and that, like, chocolate snack, uh, chocolate cream snack cake thing. But he told... The, guy, the teacher told the other kids, like, you'll have to stay out. If they gotta pee, or they need to alleviate. Okay? They need to alleviate. Or stretch, definitely stretch their legs. I don't know how long they've been on that bus. I would probably have. There's no bathroom on that bus. I gotta play this clip. <laughs> this is funny. As Winnie impersonates um, Mary Tyler Moore from the show. <laughs> Doing. Great. It seemed there was something to be said for keeping higher education confined to the classroom. This kid, this army jacket wearing kid, looks so much like Gary from season two. I know it's not Breck and Meyer, but it does look like him as he's like uh, pushing his hair back away from his face as Kevin, like, woof! Lams that door open in the bathroom, and that kid, like, jumps a foot in the air. He practically jumps out of his skin. Not only does this kid jump, but when he jumps, all of his fire pyrophernalia falls out of his pants or out of his jacket. Onto the He's got so much stuff in there. Firecrackers. What, what did the trivia say? Like, M80s or whatever? That is so damn dangerous. That kid, and he's got a lighter on him. So that kid is clearly one of those pyro kids. The kids that like to play with fire and fireworks and shit like that. Start fires. That is that kid. Oh my, I would not want him on that bus. All he has to do is light one of those fucking things and everyone on that bus is going to be dead. Oh my god. Leave all that shit there. Blow up the... 
toilet, I guess. D do a Bart Simpson and blow up his toilet with the cherry bomb. Because a little knowledge could be a dangerous thing. You, uh, dropped something. Enough cherry bombs and ash cans to take out an armory. There's something, aren't they? Got a cousin down in North Carolina. Keeps me supplied. See this, baby? Yeah, it's, uh, great. Biggest one they make. Beauty, ain't it? Great. I was stuck in a men's room with the mad bomber himself. I got plans for this baby. <coughs> Look, Arnold, you seem to be a trustworthy kind of guy. Do you know what's going to happen at exactly 2.15 today? <laughs> yeah, there's going to be an eclipse. And, and, and that's not all there's going to be. They got a toilet at the planetarium. The cherry bomb goes in, and then tick, 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 boom. Maybe he was into some sort of gestalt therapy. It's no use. She won't even come out of the ladies' room. Remember, Arnold, 215 sharp. Cover your ears. Wait, I thought we just weren't supposed to look at the eclipse. Forget it, Chuck. What am I supposed to do? I should have played it safe like you did. Yeah, right. scientific exploration it was every man for himself so the boy lewis basically tells kevin like hey my he says like a cousin in like carol south carolina north carolina supplies him with all this shit and he's telling him like you know what happens at 215 or 1215 yeah kevin's like yeah the solar eclipse and the kid's like no the planetarium has a bathroom, and I kind of throw one of these cherry bombs in there. So cover your ears at 2.15, because... Oh, my God. That kid needs some serious psychiatric help. Psychiatric evaluation. That kid is a danger to himself and the rest of the world and all those other kids and that planetarium. So while he is talking um, to Kevin... Chuck comes out, says, I can't believe it! Alice won't talk to me! I don't believe And Kevin just says, Chuck, I got my own damn problems! Alright, I don't need to hear about your shit going on with your freaky girlfriend. Alright? While the bathroom door is open, we see, because Harlan goes out, the kid with the glasses, Rand's there with a chocolate ding-dong, or a yoo or a yodel, or whatever they're called, and she's like, hey, do you want a yodel? And we don't hear his response. I think she gives him a hickey. Probably by force. What are you doing? Don't do that. Oh, is this the bathroom he gets locked in? I thought he was getting locked in at the planetarium bathroom. Just leave him in there. Bye. You can find your own way home. So now we get back on the bus, and Harlan is happy because he's got a yodel. 
And he's like, oh, thank you. That's very nice of you. And Rayanne, of course, is like, oh, yes, I'm a very giving person. Do you mind if I sit with you? <sighs> so she sits down next to Harlan and this nerdish boy with the sweater vest. He's like, oh, I was supposed to be sitting. And she just looks at him and is like, go blow, Poindexter. I thought I was the only one that said go blow. Huh, cool. Maybe it was something back in the 70s. She's even got good in plenty for Harland. She really wants to get into his good graces, graces if she's going to give this boy a hickey. This kid is either very naive or just really... He just wants the food. He doesn't care who gives him the food, I guess. Because he's not at all suspicious, like, what are your intentions? Thanks for giving me this food, but what are you getting out of this? How the hell? I mean, yay, Chuck is stuck in a stall, or stuck in the bathroom, fine. But that is a safety hazard. If you're locked in the bathroom from the inside and you can't get out, that is a problem. How in the hell were the other guys able to, like, Kevin and Lewis able to get out of there? I mean, I know that Chuck is short, like, a good 95% of his brain cells, but, uh, still, come on. Alice is back on the bus, and she's screaming at Kevin and Wayne, like, I don't want him anywhere near me, he better not sit on the bus, and blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I wouldn't want her sitting in front of me. Her voice is very annoying. So, yeah, the bus takes off without Chuck. The teacher does not bother to do a head count to make sure all the kids are accounted for. Well, that's not going to look good on him when he comes back. Like, oh, you're missing a child? Really? Where did you leave him? Because either it's the rest stop or it's the planetarium. That guy could lose his job. That is literally some run-of-the-mill Halloween H2O restroom in the middle of fucking nowhere type of setting. Michael Myers is going to come for you, Chuck, and he will kill you. So they arrive at the planetarium, and as the kids are getting off the bus, he says, Now we'll meet promptly at 2 o'clock. So I take it to head back. This place has only got to be, like, an hour away because they're only going to go for the length of the school period, which is, what, like, 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock or something? So, uh, Lewis gets off the bus and he is holding, he, it looks like his jacket is stuffed with all those explosives. Oh, and he does remind the kids to use the bathroom before they leave. This kid, this Lewis is all like, tick, 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 boom, the whole, using the bath, because that's his intention, is to put one of those in the bathroom. I think Ryan got a little more than she bargained for with having to listen to Harlan, like, ugh. I'm gonna play this clip, just hearing all these kids getting off the bus. Now remember, we'll all meet on the lawn promptly at two o'clock. If any of you need to use the restrooms, make sure you go before that. Sure, fine, but I gotta go. 
All in all, it promised to be one heck of an eclipse. So Harlan's explaining like all the wonderful things you can see at the planetarium, and Rayan's just like rolling her eyes like, yeah, you know it, buddy. That's that's great. We got two jocks in Letterman jackets that just can't stop shoving each other. And then Kevin tries to talk to Winnie. She just takes off ahead of him like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Alice and her whiny-ass wife's like, oh, have you seen Chuck? If you tell him, you see him, tell him I don't want to see his fucking face. Speaking of Chuck, he manages to get out of the bathroom through that window. Ugh. Yeah, like, they're not waiting for you guys. They left. I hope you make it eventually to the planetarium, if he even knows where that is. So... We have the, um, gosh, what do they call those? The, like, when you go to a place, the facilitator, the person who's conducting the, the, the tour and stuff. Well, he's showing these kids this thing of the planetarium, this sundial thingy, like, and a pendulum that comes down and goes back and forth. And back. These kids don't give a shit. They don't care. I thought they were gonna see a light show. I swear, I went to a planetarium once and saw a cool light show in the dark. That's what I'm hoping. The, the kids in the movie Rebel Without a Cause got to see a freaking light show, and that was back in, like, the 50s. Are they gonna see a light show here? I hope so. That shows all the constellations and the planets and the everything. Because this is boring. I'm bored. Oh, it's the teacher who's talking. Oh, well, no wonder I'm bored. <laughs> so, with eager faces, we entered the stimulating world of astronomy. Now, at precisely 2 o'clock, we'll meet on the front lawn, and I will hand each of you a special viewing card. With the eclipse of the century only an hour away, things were really popping. What is this, anyway? It's an electrical step transformer. It's pretty creepy looking. Huh? Oh, no. It actually proves electricity is all around us. You don't say. Electricity's at the heart of every chemical reaction. <laughs> How about we hang out together, Harlan? Really? After all, you are kind of cute. Okay, I honestly forgot that they were going because of the solar eclipse. I thought they were going to, like, watch a light show with, like, uh, showing, like, planets and you're in the dark and it shows you, here's the constellation of the Little Dipper, the Big Dipper, Big Bear, Little Bear, and any of the others. So, Ryan is having to stand there with Harlan while he goes on and on about electricity and, and solar eclipses and this and that. And she turns to look at her friends who are laughing. That's when I laughed because she's like, gag, And she turns to Harlan and is like, you know what, Harlan? I like you. Why don't we hang out? You are kind of cute as she kind of rubs her finger along his arm. And we have Kevin that's looking at like a little uh, uh, bobble bubble figure. 
with like a solar eclipse thing around like um the Empire State Building or something. It almost looks like a snow globe, but not. Oh, they're in a gift shop! Winnie's wearing a hat. This is wild. <gasps> I want to go to a gift shop. Kevin, that you're not too perfect, but stealing a hat. He even offered to buy it. Like, you know what? No. I'm gonna just walk out and wear the hat. Like, no. Sweetie, please. Your reputation. It's so perfect. Don't don't ruin it by trying to prove a point. You proved it. You proved a point to Kevin. At first, because she walks out wearing this this ball cap that says the planetarium on it. And the woman, like, she's gone when the woman looks up. She looks at Kevin like, oh, can I? I thought she was going to say, miss, um, miss. No, she looks at Kevin like, oh, can I help you? He's like, uh, Kevin thinks that she saw Winnie walk out without the, the hat. And <laughs> I'm going to play this clip as Kevin races after her because she just shoplifted. I bet, I bet she... Paid for that hat already. She is just trying to get his goat. <laughs> Winnie, are you crazy? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, well, don't do it again. Next time you might get caught. I wouldn't worry about it, Kevin. Besides, it's your turn. My turn? Yeah. You know, now that I think about it, you're pretty well behaved yourself. I'll get out of here, Winnie. No, you are. You're nice and you're sweet. And to tell you the truth, well, you've always sort of reminded me of Beaver Cleaver. <laughs> Ouch. Get out of here, I do not. Kevin, you know, you talk a good game, but I don't see you doing anything. Fine. What, do you want me to shoplift something? Hmm. Well, I already have a hat, but I'm sure I'll think of something. Theodore. Bye. So, Winnie calls Kevin, like, oh, you're, you're so nice and sweet. You know who you remind me of? Beaver Cleaver. And she says that, um, you know, I've already done so. She's taking the truth, the dare part of truth or dare now. And she kind of throws it in Kevin's face. Well, I've already done something. So, um, hmm. I think it's time for you to do something. And Kevin's like, oh, get out of here. Are you, I'm, and she calls him Theodore as she walks away. Like, your turn. We cut back to Chuck. I, my guess is he's going to 
arrive at the planetarium, it's gonna be dark. No one's gonna be there. He's gonna be stuck. He'll have to call home or something. Uh, Chuck flags a ride down on a chicken truck. Um, uh, wh where are they? Where? I Don't get in that truck, Chuck. Don't get in that truck. I don't trust it. It could be like a deliverance type. I've not seen the movie, but I heard it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> This guy that he gets in the truck with, my goodness, he looks like he is a serial killer. Like, he is going to take him back, kill him, and eat him. Chuck, get- he's got a rifle in the back of his truck, hanging up. I am playing this clip. This makes me so- <laughs> was beginning to affect everybody. 290 pounds? Not on the big load. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay, Mary Jo. That's an unusual name, isn't it? Like you should talk, Harlan. Oh, no, I meant... It's pretty like... Like you. Oh. It's short. Hmm? Mary Josephine. I bet I'd wear a ton on Mars. Attention, everybody. It's time to assemble. I want you to follow me to the front lawn. No doubt about okay, it. Right this way. As the moon's orbit drew closer to the sun, there was more going on here than simple physics. Come on, let's get out of here. Yeah, I don't want to miss this eclipse. Trust me, you won't miss it at all. So, Rayanne is, like, trying to flirt with Harlan, and I guess he says something about her name, like, it's a bit unusual, and she, of course, takes offense to it, because, you know, her name's Mary Jo. And he's like, no, it's beautiful like you. And he's being honest, and oh, he, this is a sweet, sweet young man. And she's surprised by this. You know, no one's probably called her beautiful before. And she says it's short for, short for Mary Josephine, which I'm not surprised. Um, and because she was standing on something that made her, like, the weight of how much she'd weigh if she were on, like, Saturn or Jupiter and also, you know, Mars. And the teacher interrupts, like, hey, we're going to meet on the lawn now at 2 because you're going to see the solar eclipse. And she's like, hey, let's get out of here. And Harlan's like, yeah, I don't want to miss the eclipse. And she's like, you won't miss it as she takes his hand and pulls him along. So Kevin decides to take Winnie up on her little dare scheme here as he kind of gets back with Lewis, like, hey, I want to help you do this. And Lewis is like, no, I work alone. Like, you can't help me. You know, because he, he wants to be the one, like, of course, all the glory for pulling off this prank is going to go to him. The idea of having a second person. I'm sure Kevin's like, hey, I can be, like, the lookout or something like that. Just let me help you. I have to prove this to my girlfriend that I'm not Beaver Cleaver. I was on a mission of my own. <laughs> Forget it, Arnold. I work solo. 
It's a lot cleaner that way. Let me just do something. I mean, it would really help me out with my girlfriend. See, she's got this crazy idea. Okay, okay, maybe you could be like a lookout. Great. But I get to flush. You got it. Okay, let's rock and roll. So, I guess we're probably getting pretty close to the planetarium. <laughs> Thanks for picking me up. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? You know that uh, Alfred Hitchcock episode? One where this guy's picking up all these hitchhikers and he's got this big butcher knife and he keeps. Never mind. Probably didn't see the episode. Did you? 27 times. Lewis pretty much tells him, like, okay, sure, you can be the lookout, but I do the flush part of, you know, I'm going to give all the glory here. Uh, we go back to Chuck <laughs> in the truck with this guy who's clearly a serial killer. And you know how we know Chuck brings up this Alfred Hitchcock movie about, or this episode where this guy's picking up all these hitchhikers and Chuck's like laughing like <laughs> you probably have never seen it. And the guy just looks at him with this crazy eyed look and he's like 27 times. Okay. Someone watch it 27 times. It's because you're doing research. Chuck bails. He like the car, the truck is moving. Chuck is like, fuck it. I'm going to jump. And he rolls down the hill. Oh my god, get out of there, Chuck. That guy could find you. <laughs> that guy was not taking you to the planetarium, Chuck. It was going to kill you. He had a gun. A rifle in the back window there. So he's got the cards for the kids to look at. Like, he instructs them, don't look at the sun. Look at the cards. So that way you don't burn out your retinas. Because if you look at it, you will burn out. You will go blind. Hey, that guy's got sunglasses on. That might be a good idea. Maybe. I don't know how much protection it would offer. Maybe a little. Those kids are listening to him. Remember, don't look directly at the sun. Look at your cards. <laughs> and so, with the great event just moments away. We're all so lucky to be here. This is the best viewing spot in the entire state. Here we are, Arnold. Final preparations were being made. Ground zero. Isn't it beautiful? One little thing. This wasn't just shoplifting. Look, Lewis, maybe this isn't such a good idea. This was 10 to 20 in the state pen. What's the matter, Arnold? You chicken? No. Just, this whole place could blow up or something. Yeah, it's a risk. That was one way to put it. Lewis, let's forget about it. I was looking to bail on this whole thing. No, don't. I was a tad too late. Hey, come back here. And realistically speaking, there was about only one thing left to do. Oh my God. 
So now we move to the bathroom where Lewis has got this cherry bomb and it's got a really long fuse. Kevin is trying to talk him out of it like, hey, I don't think this is such a good idea. In Kevin's mind, he's thinking this could be five to ten years in the state pen. And he's trying to talk him out of it and Lewis is like, oh, you're a chicken. As we see a security guard come into the bathroom, partly because he's got to go. Uh, as Lewis lights it, he pops it off to Kevin. Kevin gives it back, throws it in the toilet, flushes it. Lewis runs out of there as the security guard's like, hey, hey, you! And then Kevin is, like, just standing there for a moment. Like, like buddy, you need to get the hell out of there. And now we go back to the front lawn where the teacher says that is the best spot in all of the whole state of California to watch that solar eclipse. Okay, here it comes. <laughs> We're going to achieve totality in 20, 19, 18, 17, Oh my god. 16, Look at that hickey. 15, 14, 13, 10, 9, 8, 5, 6, on his neck and he's got a smile on his face Kevin rushes out of the planetarium down the steps and we see a bunch of security guards we hear this explosion that literally shakes the camera as everything goes dark because of the solar eclipse the teacher is the only one extremely ecstatic about this solar eclipse like isn't it beautiful he looks around all the kids took cover when they heard that giant explosion. Now we get back to the bus, and we see from the driver's point of view across the windshield, a couple police officers that have Lewis there, probably most likely handcuffed. We also see a McKinley High School Intermediate School District school bus there, too. <laughs> you could say the laws of nature aren't always predictable. Well, not only did you all miss one of the great natural events of the century, but the planetarium, I am ashamed to tell you, has now decided to ban any future field trips from McKinley High School. Still, when it came to matters of cause and effect, I hope you're all very proud of yourselves. I think we've managed to learn a thing or two. Perhaps that day, Despite all the chaos, there really were cosmic forces at work. I can't believe you gave him a hickey. That must have been the longest 30 seconds of your life. <laughs> Shut your face, Sin. Forces so powerful, so profound, they defied all our attempts <laughs> at rational explanation. And then, finally... I jumped out of the truck, and I ran all the way to the planetarium so that I could see you. 
Instead of making up these idiotic stories, just be a man for once and say that you're sorry. But I mean, I, I, I did. I, I'm sorry, Pookie. I forgive you, Pooh Bear. I mean, hey, it had only taken 5,000 years to understand the moon. Winnie. So maybe we were making progress. About today. Kevin, I paid for that. <laughs> I knew that. Then again, when it came right down to it, maybe we'd all learned enough for one day. So the teacher gets on the bus, tells the kids, um, look, not only did you miss the eclipse, which is the whole reason we fucking came here, but now, thanks to you all, or one kid that's being hauled away by the police, McKinley High will never be able to come back to this planetarium because we are officially banned. Thank you very much. And Chuck's trying to explain the story to Alice, who is not buying any of it. She's like, just say you're sorry, and they hug. They call each other Pooh Bear and Pookie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mary Jo got her 30 bucks or $25 from giving Harlan a hickey, who keeps looking over at... Mary Jo and touching the hickey on his neck and she's like and um the girl her name must be like Cindy or something because Mary Jo tells her to shut up Cind because she's like ew I can't believe he kissed him Ugh. that must have been the longest 30 minutes of your life and she's like shut the fuck up <laughs> um yeah Winnie admits she paid for that well of course she paid for the hat how much do you think that hat would was worth? I bet anything it was at least ten dollars for that hat. Nowadays that hat would probably have been at least twenty or twenty-five dollars. Um yeah, well <laughs> this was a fun episode. There's a lot of stuff going on. A lot, you know, between Kevin and Winnie, you had Chuck and Alice, you had Harlan and Mary Jo, you had Lewis. You had that fucking... You had five different stories going in the course of 25 minutes or 30 minutes, depending on commercials. That was a lot of cutting back here and there, but it was still fun. All right, I'm going to read the, uh, the end quote here. Adult Kevin, narrator. I guess you can say that the laws of nature aren't always predictable. Still, when it came to matters of cause and effect, I think we managed to learn a thing or two. Perhaps that day, despite all the chaos, there really were cosmic forces at work. Forces so powerful, so profound, that they defied all our attempts of rational explanation. I mean, hey, it had taken only 5,000 years to understand the moon. So maybe we were making progress. Then again, when it came down to it, maybe we learned enough for one day. For my Flower Power episode rating, I'm going to give this, I, I'm literally going to give this a 5 out of 5 because there's so many things going on. I know I always, I loved Kevin and Winnie's, like, 
truth or dare thing, which caused her to pretend that she... Oh, I when she uh, threw a little spit wad at the teacher, and then she claimed she stole that hat and just walked out with it. Um, I liked... Even though I hate Alice and Chuck, thankfully we will not have to see Alice anymore. This was her last episode. Um, I liked the whole thing with Chuck getting in that chicken truck with that guy who had the rifle, who was clearly a serial killer. He practically admits it. Um, I also liked... That teacher was really annoying, but I liked, like, his enthusiasm and everything. Like, he's trying to rally the kids to get excited about this solar eclipse. Um, I also liked the- the thing with Harlan and Mary Jo was kind of gross and weird, but it was still, like, the payoff was the fact that she did give him a hickey and everything, and he's like, oh, she gave me a hickey. Um... She was not sincere at all. The fact that he called her beautiful and everything like that. And like, oh, maybe it touched her. No, it didn't. She was just doing it for the $25. Uh, the ending with Lewis getting hauled away. You are fucked for life, kid. You are screwed. He's Gary 2.0. <laughs> Wonderland words of wisdom. Um, Here we go. How about don't set off a cherry bomb in a building? And flush it down the toilet. This kid was... What? Okay, this came out in 93. Didn't Bart Simpson do the cherry bomb thing prior to... I know this was set in 1973. But still. Don't do that. Don't do it on a dare. You are going to get caught. You're going to get in trouble. Just don't do it. Truth or dare, um, it's supposed to be fun, but when you turn it personal like that, you're just asking for trouble. So, it's better, play, if you want to play truth or dare, play it with a large group of people. Don't play it with you and, like, two, another couple, because you're just asking, you know, like, you're just asking for trouble when you're asking personal questions like that. Don't do it. Um... All right, let's talk about next week's episode. All right, season six, episode 18, entitled Poker, aired on March 24th, 1993. Excuse me, when Kevin and his friends get together for their weekly night of poker, they have that, each of them is forced to face up to their problems. Chuck is worried about the possibility of becoming a father. Did he fuck Alice? I'm sorry, but Chuck just does not have the... Mental capability to even, uh, the idea of him, like, creating offspring is a very scary thought. Randy is failing math. We get to see Randy. Haven't seen him in a bit. Jeff is accused of being a cheater. So, cheating on a test, cheating on a girl. Paul and Kevin realize how much they've grown apart. This is gonna, okay. I was really... Not looking forward to this episode. Like, oh, Poker, there he did that before, remember? And then he had the big old party and shit like that. And Paul and Kevin realize how much they've grown apart. Because, honestly, they have. We have not gotten much. If you think about it, um, Paul in season five was doing the prep school thing. He and Kevin just seemed like they were kind of a little bit at odds with each other. Like, Kevin's still trying to be a friend. 
But I just see that the distance between them is really, really growing. I mean, I can imagine down the road, like, they're still friends, but maybe they're not as good of best friends as they are. Because, look, we have Jeff this season, and I've referred to Jeff as Paul 2.0. Because he is. That's who you see Kevin hanging around with, is Jeff. So it's almost like I don't understand why they... Jeff's a great guy, don't get me wrong. I like Giovanni. He's a great, you know, actor. But why did they feel the necessary necessity to bring him in? Was Josh Saviano only guaranteed a few episodes during this? Because last season, season five, we really did not see Paul here or there. And we see him even less in this season, it feels like. We only see him for, like, a scene, if that. But maybe it's good that the show is acknowledging that Kevin and Paul are drifting apart. You don't... Necessarily the friends you have when you're 12, you may or may not be friends with them when you're in your 20s and your 30s. and You might, but things, you go in different directions. You have different interests. And those things are the things that kind of pull you away from each other. So, that'll be interesting to see how the show does address that. So, alright... So, that being said, let's say hey to some Wonderling listeners, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, Zephyrils? Zephyrils, Florida. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Sun Valley, Nevada. Boise, Idaho. Alameda, California. Asheville, North Carolina. Grand Falls, Canada. Attleboro, Massachusetts, Denton, Texas, Cape Town, South Africa, Schenectady, New York, Hillsdale, Michigan, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Atlanta, Georgia, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Greensboro, North Carolina, Gallagher, United Kingdom, Mount Holly, New Jersey, Mexico, Mexico, Medellin, Colombia, T-A-M-I-N-E-S, Belgium, Mustang, Oklahoma, Chesapeake, Virginia, Clark, New Jersey, Mountain View, California, Emporia, Kansas, Towson, Maryland, Munich, Germany, Mira, India, Rio Rancho, North Mexico, New Mexico, sorry, uh, Tunison, Philippines, New Britain, Connecticut, Aurora, Illinois, Woodburn, Oregon, uh, Ludhiana, India, Molden, South Carolina, McCormick, South Carolina, San Jose, California, Nigeria, Newark, United Kingdom, Kolkata, India, uh, Majdahan, Spain, uh, Boston, Massachusetts, uh, Nelson Bay, Australia, Fairhaven, Michigan, it looks like Cache, C-A-C-H-E, Oklahoma, Queenstown, Maryland, Hendon, United Kingdom, New Hyde Park, New York, Mount Holly, North Carolina, and Honolulu, Hawaii. All right. That being said, guys, have a great, great weekend. I hope if you haven't yet, you're putting up your tree, you're wrapping gifts, listen to the podcast while you're doing so, I guess. Maybe not around your kids, but. Alright, I'll be back with uh, Silver Spoons episode coming up. Um, for each week in November, I will be 
releasing or re-releasing the Christmas episodes of the Wonder Years from last year. So look forward to those. All right. Bye-bye.